Hello, everyone. Welcome to Be Happy, a podcast by the Hepatitis B Foundation discussing all things related to hepatitis B. It's your host, Evangeline. And Bright. And today we are joined with some Just Me storytellers to discuss their experiences. Please introduce yourself. Hi, this is Jackie Chen. I'm from Princeton, New Jersey. Hi, this is Song Tran, and I'm from the Gulf Coast of Mississippi. Joe Balistrieri. I'm from Santa Rosa, California, and I'm a patient with hepatitis B and hepatitis D or Delta. I'm really excited that you're here and you're answering some questions of ours. Our first question is, how did you or what led you to finding out that you were hepatitis B positive? started to wonder if I have had B while I was in college because there are some classmates who got diagnosed with hepatitis B at that time. However, I never had a chance to get tested until when, when my brother, who is four years older than me, had had a bad news about liver cancer and liver cirrhosis. So I went to the nursing station at my workplace and asked for a test. This was when I first found out that I have hepatitis B. It was a shock to me as I thought that when I have liver cirrhosis and liver cancer like my brother, this was back in 1992-93, almost 30 years ago. Though. Oh, thank you for that. That's a hard way to find out. For me, it was about uh, 1978 that I was diagnosed with hepatitis B. I didn't know I was sick at all. It was so mild. And a friend noticed that I I looked kind of yellow. He had just had an infection. And he said, Joe, you look jaundiced. You should go get tested. And I went to the local sort of hippie-free clinic and found out I had hepatitis B. It wasn't until the 1990s that my healthcare provider, Kaiser, tested me for hepatitis D or Delta. Hi, this is Song Tran. So I I personally do not have um, hepatitis B. I'm sharing my father's story of getting hepatitis B. My father was diagnosed with hepatitis B around 1998 and to the 2000s. And He was doing some screenings and they found some of his tests was a little bit higher than usual. And I was my father's interpreter. So you can imagine an eight-year-old, 10-year-old, I'm not quite sure how old I was, but being able to tell my father, you know, as much as I could, and there was no Google Translate, language line was not there. There was no interpreters telling my father that he has hepatitis B. Wow, that must have been very hard at a young age. Yes, and, and I and I and, and I didn't really know what hepatitis B was. And I don't think eight-year-olds, unless they've been exposed to it, they're not very familiar with a lot of the different diseases that are out there. So I was trying to figure out what hepatitis B was myself. Yeah. And all that technical like health information too. I can't imagine like trying to relay that, you know, so young to a parent. Uh, you mentioned that that doesn't sound like a very great experience uh, for an eight-year-old or a ten-year-old. What was the initial reaction, either from your perspective or your father's perspective, finding out about this elevation of this test uh, and knowing up, finding out that he has hepatitis B? What was that initial response like? First off, we were trying to figure out what hepatitis B was. And then afterwards, when we when we had some kind of basic understanding of it, we were really scared. I thought my dad was going to die. You know, I mean, I was like, oh, my gosh, a a liver issue. You're going to die, daddy. Like, what are we going to do? We are one of the 
very few stories where our healthcare system was actually okay. And by that, I mean, though we couldn't communicate effectively, we were still able to help my father, you know, get treated and get, and now he's being monitored. And be, I, I'm 28 years old and I am a hepatitis B caseworker and also community health worker. So I'm able to really relate to um, families and be able to help our, um, I work with the Vietnamese community on the Gulf Coast of Mississippi to be able to help our families and, and our patients understand um, the process and what it means. That might really be difficult and hard, but I'm glad there was help and your father is doing well. Jackie, yes. if you can talk about that initial experience or your initial reaction was uh, when you get tested and you find out that you are positive, given that you've learned that your brother had liver cancer and cirrhosis, how was your initial reaction to that? Oh, yeah. My initial reaction was, although it was expected, you know, because I was suspecting that I had the uh, happy as well. So, however, after the confirmation that I am happy positive indeed, it was really a, a shock to me, you know, and that explained to me why, you know, I have been feeling fatigued, I've been feeling tired all the time and not able to uh, work, you know, long hours. And, and, and I experienced some symptoms at that time. And also, not only just that, uh, it was even shocking that I found out that my liver enzyme was elevated and it continued to be elevated for many years. So, so it was scary at that time that because my brother was just four years older than me and he already had uh, liver cirrhosis and liver cancer. And so the likelihood that I would be cirrhotic and have liver cancer are pretty high. So I was basically scared at that time. Yeah, I, I definitely would have been scared if I have known that my older brother, this is what he's going through and he's my brother. I think I would be scared too. Thank you very much for sharing that with sure. us. And then, Joe, uh, if I can get your initial reaction to you finding out about your status and then if you don't mind talking a little bit too about uh, being co-infected with Hepatitis D? Back in uh, 1978, I wasn't that scared. Uh, for one thing, I, I wasn't told very much about uh, hepatitis, and I, I hadn't been sick. Uh, it's possible I would have not gotten tested because I did, I mean, I didn't feel ill. But when I did get the diagnosis, the, mo the strongest reaction I had was that I was, uh, as a gay man, I was dating a man, a lovely man who's still my friend today. He had a daughter. And my greatest fear was that I had infected him and that he could have infected his daughter. And it was a great relief when I found out that he and his daughter were negative and never did get hepatitis. They did go get vaccinated. Later on with hepatitis D, I wasn't that alarmed. I mean, it wasn't good news to know that I had, I used the word Delta because B and D sound so much alike. Hepatitis Delta is another viral hepatitis. It wasn't good news, but I wasn't alarmed because for all those years, uh, I never had any symptoms and my liver seemed healthy. So 
it, it was just uh, that my doctors were very curious about me and wanted a biopsy and wanted to give samples to the university. So it was a little odd being treated as a curiosity in the 90s. How did that make you feel? I, I wasn't alarmed. I should have been alarmed. Earlier when I was diagnosed with B and then in the 90s with Delta, I wasn't given a lot of information, uh, maybe because the medicine, the world of medicine didn't have a lot of information. But I, I did joke with them that I wanted royalties if they cultured my uh, biopsy sample. We all laughed and I never did get any royalties. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> That's very difficult. But on uh, Joe, with, with your side, I think what is good about your experience is that you actually even had a friend who has been through the situation and was able to draw your attention uh, yeah. to your jaundice because I, I don't know what might have happened if nobody has seen it and you have waited for a while what that probably might look like, you know, so... Uh, I'm very glad that uh, your friend was able to help and also that uh, your partner and the daughter uh, were fine. And through, through you finding out, they were able to get vaccinated, which is good, good to hear as well. So I guess the follow-up question to, to the initial reaction question is, what is something you wish you knew when you were first diagnosed? Or Prasang, what is something you wish you knew when your father was first diagnosed? You know, I, I didn't know much about hepatitis B when I was first diagnosed 30 years ago. Uh, you know, all I know, I learned it from the textbook. But I was very lucky at that time to be referred to a caring specialist and was actually started to enroll in a clinical trial for a therapeutic vaccine for hepatitis B at that time. That was a long time ago, the DNCC. I wish I knew that I had had hepatitis B much earlier and that my brother knew that as well, so that we can maybe find some way to prevent or be careful, may not be my, mindful about the progression of the liver damage caused by the virus. With both the hepatitis B and hepatitis delta diagnoses, I got very little information. What I didn't know for 10, 15 years was that I had chronic hepatitis B. No one told me that I could continue to be, my body could continue to be infected or that I could be infectious, that mm -hmm. I could infect someone else. I wasn't physically sick and there weren't good treatments for hepatitis B, but still it it's important to know hepatitis B can be chronic and people who've had viral hepatitis in the past, I think should get tested again to see if, if their body is still dealing with hepatitis. If they recovered totally, well, that's great. But if you're chronic, then slowly but surely your liver is being damaged. And then one day it could be too late. Your liver could be so damaged that you're getting cancer or you're needing a transplant. So yeah, those, that's really crucial information. And along with that, you know, if you're chronic, then you're still infectious and you need to take uh, understand the precautions so that you don't infect 
someone else. Of course, the other thing that would have been nice to know that I had hepatitis D, but when I was first diagnosed, uh, I don't think they even knew what hepatitis D was back in the mid 70s. Yeah, it's just crazy to think, I guess, 40 years ago, there was not that much information about hepatitis B out and stuff like there. There was no like internet about it. You know, all the information that you had, you would have to um, like dig for and search for yourself, especially if your healthcare practitioner is not helpful. Like that's super, it's probably was super hard for some people. I wish that there were caseworkers like myself back then. And then also the importance of having language access. Our family, you know, I was the second generation that came over here. My parents were immigrated over from Vietnam with very little English. So to be able to navigate through the healthcare system was crazy, as you can imagine, if you don't speak the language. So I, I, it would have benefited you know, hospitals and clinics and even nonprofit organizations to invest in making sure that people can access your resources. I wish there was an interpreter to speak with my father and be able to answer questions, you know, to be able to tell my father what enzymes are, to be able to tell them what it means when, how the different things that could happen if he doesn't treat and monitor his hepatitis B. I mean, as an eight-year-old, I never took biology as an eight-year-old. <laughs> I was doing, you know, macaroni art. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, to be able to have somebody there and, and, and explain the process. And, and I think Joe mentioned it earlier to be able to explain the process and what it means to have hepatitis B. No, I so, I so agree with you. That's a great wish to have. And I feel like it's still so relevant to today. Like we still don't have that many people speaking in language for um, various populations. So it's super hard for them to access and navigate the healthcare system. So you bring up a great point. I think it's still interesting that we still have that issue today uh, where language is still a barrier to many people to access healthcare. And so it's something that I think we still have to work on to get more done regarding that to see how best that can change. Because I think that is a big problem when it comes to people with hepatitis B getting treatment or even just going in trying to get tested creates some sort of barrier to that. So I know that each of you come from different cultural backgrounds. Could you tell us what role this played in terms of being public with your statuses? So I think people have very good reason to keep the diagnosis secret. I didn't want to make my status public at early time either. I was in fear of alienation and discrimination. This was very real, especially at younger ages with active career and active social life. You don't want people to look down on you or no one want to get close to you. Uh, however, as I grew older and have a more stable career, I think it is time to help others. By being public with my own status, not only is it a relief to myself, I think it also gained trust with people of similar conditions. That's a reason that I want to go public and try to help other people. Very noble. That's very great of you. I think a lot of people can relate. Yeah, going public is hard, I think, especially with something yeah. stigmatized. It, it, it's not very easy. It's not very easy thing to do. So uh, we appreciate you all sharing your stories. I know as a, a fellow storyteller, I know 
you don't come you don't come around that easily it takes a while for you to really get to a point where you feel like you are safe and comfortable to go out and share and talk about stuff like that uh joe how about you i'm a gay man and i was raised a catholic in a fairly conservative immigrant family my family my grandparents came from Sicily. I didn't even tell them I was gay until I was in my 50s. To have to tell my family that I had a hepatitis B and D that I might have gotten through sexual activity was really hard. And and it's it's hard even even today on this show. I haven't met a lot of people. They're out there certainly, but I haven't met a lot of people who've gotten hepatitis B through sexual activity. Of course, I don't know for sure that that's how I got it. It's a good possibility. In terms of the gay community, I feel a responsibility to all those people I know and care about to come out as a person with hepatitis B and D because the people I know could be saved from getting hepatitis, viral hepatitis, if they just get vaccination. And of course, if they've already got chronic hepatitis B, they need to hear about that and they need to go get tested for B and they need to get tested to see if they have D or Delta. But it was hard even in the gay community. I escaped getting AIDS and I felt maybe a little arrogant about it, like I'm superior because I didn't get AIDS. But then I have to turn around and and I didn't know that I might have, did I ever give anyone hepatitis B unwittingly? I had to come out and I had to talk to people who I had been intimate with as well. It was very hard. I'm glad I've done it, though. That discrimination stigma is part of the disease. It's like it is hard coming out with it and being so public. That's very great of you, Joe, uh, uh, to think uh, not just about yourself, but to think about others in that situation. I, and I understand how difficult. I don't, I, I don't really understand how tough that might have been for you. You know, not being able to even share it with your family members, uh, I think that might really be difficult. But at least you 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 sacrifice everything and speaking out, trying to help others. It's uh, I think it's something something that we can all learn from, and we appreciate that. It wasn't until we did the just be storytelling where I actually got my dad to really talk about his experience and to share his experience. We didn't talk about that. And, you know, we knew, we all knew about it, but we didn't really talk about it. And he didn't want people to think about him in another way. You know, he didn't want people to think that, you know, if you touch him, you'll be infected or something like that. And I feel bad about it because, you know, as a child, I didn't understand. I just knew that, you know, we just kept secrets or we have family secrets. And growing up, I realized how wrong he was. There was nothing wrong with my father. He has hepatitis B, which is, you know, it's it's a chronic condition, but also diabetes is, hypertension is, AIDS are, you know, they're just conditions. They don't care. It doesn't change who you are. It doesn't change your characteristic. It doesn't change your personality. You're not a worse person for having any of these diseases. And to really help my dad open up because, you know, we later found out my my grandmother, which is my, my dad's mother, um, 
passed away from uh, uh, liver cancer, and it was because she did not treat her hepatitis because she did not get it, you know, treated in time. You know, they didn't diagnose her in time um, before she passed away, and that was in Vietnam. So, you know, I look back on it. If my dad would have just opened up and shared his experience and let people know. Um, I wonder what, where my grandmother would be right now. Mm -hmm. I wonder if my cousins, you know, have gotten tested since then and all that good stuff. Thanks for sharing. I think it's very tough, you know, it's very tough to talk about some of these things. And I think most of the time it's because of the stigma and uh, the way people will start looking at you. So that's probably why some families try so hard not to even talk about it. But we are glad that at least your father at some point was able to talk about it. But uh, the question you asked uh, will remain some one question that I don't think any of us could answer. Uh, I mean, we wish we could answer and know what differences those might make if anything has been done earlier or your father had talked about it or something has been shared. Mm -hmm. uh, but we thank you for sharing that. I think it's very important that we keep talking about this and try to break that cycle of uh, keeping diseases as secrets, even in our own families. I, I think uh, it's important to talk about it and try to save lives uh, from inside out, meaning from our families and then spread it out. So thank you. Yeah, and you bring up such a great point of like how you're more than hepatitis B, right? It doesn't define you. You have other ca characteristics. Um, it doesn't change your personality at all. I really like that. This has been part one of three parts in this Just Be series. Stay tuned for the rest of the Just Be series. Subscribe for future episodes about Hepatitis B. If you have any questions, please direct them to info at hepb.org. You can support our programs at the Hepatitis B Foundation by going to www.hepb.org donate or click on the link in this page. We greatly appreciate all your support and thank you so much for listening. We'll see you in the next episode.